We're in our last test, our 10th test. We're being more aware of the 10th test that God has us, he challenges us with because these are continual. We're on a continuum of testing for formation and character molding. God uses these 10 tests so that he can mold us for our purpose and also shape us towards our purpose. So he's molding us. Remember, as scripture would say, if you don't know, we are, like, we are like clay on a potter's wheel in the hands of our potter. And God is forming us. He is our potter. And in doing that, you're trying to get the impurities out of the clay so that it can become shaped and formed and end up what it was intended to be in, in the beginning, shaped and something beautiful in the hands of our creator. And so, and so what we're constantly being shaped towards is his purpose, not our purpose. Many of us have our purpose that we want to do, but it's his purpose for us on this earth. Now, it could be the job that you're currently in. It's just a perspective change. He, pro- he could have taken you to exactly where you are, but you've been doing it for you. But when the heart shift takes place and you start, he starts to conform you on that potter's will, all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, this isn't about me. It's actually about others. And that's where purpose starts to be formed in you, and that's the essence of this test right here. And so it could be a job, it could be an extra vocational work, a good work that God has created you for. Very important in the order in that. Uh, this October, we were able to send out the Woodalls. They're in Burma right now on a mi- living out missions uh, in, a, in a peasant village, so to speak, with helping with medical and all basic needs and training others medics in that area. Uh, we, just, we, we just affirmed in our first elder, and that's purpose. It's not his main vocation, not Joey's main vocation. It's an extra vocational uh, position. It's purpose-driven. It's not for himself. It's for others. He wouldn't be here. Y'all notice he, he, he taught the power test about a month ago. That's what it's for. What God has given is to give away for the sake of others. And the moment we start to embrace it and make it about us, God starts to take away the journey, that leg of the journey. We step out of his journey. He's not taking it away as much as we're stepping out of it. You're not ready for that. I want you to have it. Let me shape you in and prepare you for that so you can sustain the weight of it. How many people like sleepless nights because of the struggles and the adversity you're going through? Robert likes sleepless nights. Well, guess what? It's those sleepless nights that shape you towards the things that God's created you and called you for. And many of us step back and we just quit because of the sleepless nights. And the moment you do, you made it about yourself. And so it's getting through the adversity of those things to begin to walk in what God has for us. And we're talking about the purpose test today, the purpose test And in this, let me give you a little context. This is the first time that Joseph sees his brothers since they sold him into slavery. Dang. Now, now the seven years of good harvest has come. There's two years. We're two years in the seven years of famine, meaning there's a drought. There's no plowing. There's nothing going on. There's two years. They've been storing up for seven years, and now they're in year two of the famine. His brothers show up on the scene because they need grain. They need some food for, for themselves and their family. Now they're in need. And Joseph recognized them and has them brought to him. In Genesis 45, it says this, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near to near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. 
That'd be a hard conversation. But now do not, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold, you sold me here for God sent me. Isn't that interesting? Notice the perspective change. Some of the worst things in life that you're angry and bitter about, if they were just released, you might have perspective that, wait a minute, God actually blessed me with that or without that. Before you, he sent me before you, God sent me before you to preserve life. Well, I don't understand what's going to happen, but I know there's something happening right now, and if I would just understand it to be a blessing from God rather than a, a curse from man, my, I might have an attitude change. I might be able to love people in the midst of things. And then ver- the next verse, for these, two, the, for these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in, the, in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. Verse 7, and God sent me before you. Here it is again. Listen, God knew, so he sent me before you because, for this. You didn't sell me. God sent me. Yeah, I know you did a bad thing. I know you couldn't love me. But God sent me before you for a purpose, to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. Now, that takes a lot of boldness and a lot of self-assurance and a lot of identity and a lot of knowing who you are and whose you are. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by the great deliverance, by a great deliverance. So now, verse 8, so now it was not you who sent me, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Listen, I believe that once God gave, God gave Joseph this dream, he realized it set in firm when he was 17, he got the two dreams that he knew he had purpose. And from that day forward, no matter what took place, as long as he stayed faithful through all adversity, God would make things work out to his advantage. Here's the key in that. The key to get that, I'm going to give you four. I'm going to actually give you four. There's only three in your notes. I added one. The first thing we have to do that we find from Joseph is we have to believe that we have a purpose. Because the moment he had a dream, and then he was backdoored with another dream, obviously God's speaking. There's a purpose on my life. And when I can own that, when I can own that God, I understand God has a purpose on my life. So no matter what, all I have to do is be faithful then God's going to get me through whatever comes next. On the back side of that, you can see this is why he's not so affected being, by being sold into slavery. He realized, wait a minute, I have a purpose. I'm being positioned. And Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There is a specific time for every purpose. Everything was made, everything that was made was made for a specific purpose. We just have to figure out what we look like in the spirit. We're too, oftentimes, too worried about what we look like in the natural. And when we're worried about what we look at like in the natural, the culture tends to shape our decisions more than our Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit. But once we start to discover, wait a minute, I'm a spiritual being having a natural experience. I have to be more in tune with my spiritual leadership than with the natural effects and natural things that are going on in the news and the social media, etc. More in my spirit, man, according to what the word of the Lord says, than what my flesh wants. Because those are, those are always in attention. So we have to discover who we are 
in our spirit who we are spiritually in order to thrive. I had a conversation with someone who is somewhat terminally ill with cancer uh, a few weeks ago, sitting down with them, and they were, I was hearing the conversation, hearing the conversation, and I just remembered, I told them, I told them the testimony that I had with my mother three years ago when we first found out she had cancer. She was laying on her uh, couch and, and just hurting so bad she couldn't move, couldn't stand up, couldn't do anything. And I just remember getting down, and I looked deep into the eyes of her soul, her soul because the eyes are the pathway to the soul. And I just said, you, you remind yourself who you are. You are spirit, and this is just a shell that is going through something. So you let the doctors take care of what's going on in the shell, but you keep that spirit strong. You make sure it thrives. You make sure it's, it stays knowing who it is and let the work be done to the body because we're two different, we're not, we're not body. We operate in a body. We see the body. We try to make the body look good. But that's not who we are. And we have to be very careful so that we don't identify with our body. And this is what I told this gentleman. We got to get to the point where when you're going through that, you can't identify more with your body than you do with your spirit because that's not who you are. And if you, the moment you start to identify more with your body than you do with your spirit, you'll be discouraged because of what your body is going through, but your spirit's not going through it. When your spirit is focused on its maker, then it can go through anything. It can endure any struggle. It can go through any situation and come out looking really clean, really pretty. So we have to know who we really are. We believe that you, under, you have a purpose. And then number two is understand that God is in charge. He's in charge. He's not in control. I'm going to break that down. You've heard it all your life. God's in control. No, he's not. God's given you a free will to make decisions. However, because God is in charge, he's working out providentially and sovereignly issues and opportunities and, and, and methods and ways and situations around you so that with your will being in your control, you'll make the right decision to stay on the path. He's giving you control, but he's, try, he's in charge trying to work things around to your advantage if you just come into agreement with him. Understand that God is in charge. Genesis 45, you can see that Joseph knew, but now do, therefore, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. God sent me. You didn't, you didn't do it. God was in charge the whole time. Thank you for that. Rejoice in your trials. Genesis 7, 45, 7, he says, and God sent me. Next verse, 8. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Well, that takes me knowing I've got a purpose on my life and that God is ultimately in charge no matter what happens here on earth. No matter what anybody does to me. Thank you, Lord. You got to do a work right here so I can understand, but I'm going, yes. Remember, as soon as he speaks, yes. Okay, yes. Yes, I'll do it. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He, he was lied about by Potiphar's wife. He was put into prison. And all the while, he knew if he just stayed faithful, he has a purpose, and God's going to work things out. That's a level of faith right there. That's, that's what God has called us all to. That's why it's the purpose test. In every journey towards your purpose, there's going to be a lot of adversity, and you have to know, you have to know that you know that you know that God is, he is a rewarder, that God is in charge, and that you do have a purpose. 
And you know he has, you have a purpose because Ephesians 2.10 tells us so. And then Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Anybody love God in here? Can I get an amen? To those who are the called according to his purpose. You know that you are the called no one come unless the, came to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit called him. The Holy Spirit brought you to Jesus. You made him Lord of your life. You're called. You're chosen. And now you have purpose. And because you already had purpose on your life, the Holy Spirit called you. Your purpose is locked inside of you. Every adversity around there is trying to keep you from your purpose. And every doubt and shame and guilt and condemnation from the enemy is trying to keep you from your purpose. Just like, Jesus, just like he did with Jesus when he led him out into the wilderness. But you've got to know the word. It, got to, it is written. No, wait a minute. That's not who I am. Here's who he says I am. If I'm not armed with the word, I don't know that. Isaiah 55, 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Verse 11. So is my word that goes forth, goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish that what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word has all the power necessary it needs to fulfill its purpose. And God's power that's on the word that he says he's spoken that has purpose behind it is continually driving, driving you and driving life towards fulfilling its purpose. And so when you feel adversity and you feel, you feel like the things aren't working out and you feel like, man, I, I just can't get it. I just want to quit. I want to give up. That is God's purpose that has been spoken over your life that is trying to get you out of you and him in you. Because he can't bless you. He can only bless himself in you and you lining up with his ways, his words, his truth, his manners. That's what he wants to bless so that you can be the light, a light to a dark world. He goes, I, I'm the light of the world. He ends, you are the light of the world. But you can't be, we can't be the light of the world until we get more of him in us and less of us living out. If you will allow these tests to reveal areas of your life, in your life that need humility and surrender to his ways, he can't help but to move you forward. So many people, oh, Lord, help me. Lord, help me move forward. Lord, just give me the grace. Just give me favor. No problem. Allow him to get you out of you and allow more of him, more space for more of him. Fasting is going to do that. Getting in his word, journaling. I have this journal. I realized that I've been in this journal for four years. Four years I've been using the same journal. I was able to go back to 2019, January, and read the word that God gave me for the year being steadfast through the year, the things, that he, the details he told me on that. Now, how that blesses me is because every time I have adversity, if I don't remember those things of how it actually worked out, I may be really depressed in the adversity I'm facing. But when I go back and I read what God has already done through the four years of adversity that I've already faced, everything all of a sudden that's a mountain becomes a little molehill. And now I'm not living in fear and worry and anxiety. I'm not living in doubt. I'm not letting it control me. Now I'm able to focus on God and say, God, if you did it back then, you can do it again. And because, but, but God in his goodness always gives us another chance to pass these tests. 
And because God spoke you into existence according to the good work he created you for, he wants, to, he wants you to find your purpose even more than you want to find your purpose. That's why it feels so much tension, so much pressure, so hard sometimes, because you're resisting the word that has been spoken forth from the Lord, and he is pushing you towards purpose, and we're resisting purpose because it's just uncomfortable. And we want to be comforted in our own ways. So we try to go down the path of least resistance instead of the path of most resistance. It's just better when it's easier. No, it's not. No, it's not. Number one, believe that you have a purpose. Number two, understand that God is in charge. Number three, discover your gift and your direction. Romans 12, 4 and 8, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, doing different things, cause chaos, we all try to do the same thing. However, there's groups of people who have very similar gifts. That's how we team up. It says, so we bring, verse 5, so we bring, being many, are one body in Christ, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, then let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is one of the main reasons we have our next steps on the second weekend of each month. It's an on-ramp for you to discover, develop, and deploy your gifts that God has created you with so that you can be formed and shaped and grow into your purpose. That's why we ask every person to go through next steps. By the way, it's on the third Sunday of January because we have first conference coming on the second Sunday of January. But if you've never been through that, it's time to get plugged in, get in the game, join your spiritual journey that God has set forth for you here at Thrive, and allow God to begin to shape you and conform you into who he has called and created you to be. He didn't call you to sit in a pew. He didn't sit, call you to just sit there and hoop and holler and say, "Woo, good job, everybody, <laughs> on the platform, in the hospitality cafe. Thanks for opening that door for me, greeter. It's not what he called you to do called you to get in the game and start to use those gifts so that he can shape your character and form you into the ultimate person that he's created you for, the purpose. It's in the commitments towards God, the, 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 the I won't quit when it gets hard, that God begins to shape you and show you, and, and those sleepless nights come along with it, and when you're willing to die to yourself, God forms you even more, and he gives you wisdom. He imparts something that you need by the way of the Holy Spirit to give you enough grace and enough understanding, and then you rise to another level of understanding him in experiential, uh, experiential uh, moments with him. You start to realize, wait, God is in the midst of this. He is doing this. I can't quit now. And when you're willing to do that, you're willing to go through all these tests continually and allow God to continually shape you to who you really are. I want you to notice in the verses I read in Romans 12, every gift God has given you is purposed to help others. On, on the selfish side of things, and I don't, let, don't, don't let me be too offensive to you, I'm using my gifts for me. I'm using my talents for what I can get. I'm using it for my glory. I'm using it for the praises of men. I'm using it because it makes me feel good when people say good job. 
I'm using it because it makes it a lot of money for me. But the moment I start to allow God to work that and I give it away and I'm, it's about others, all of a sudden purpose starts to come out. Yeah, the challenges come along with it, but that adversity is meant to bring out the stuff that's inside of you that he doesn't want. We got, we got one of two problems in the, in the church. A lack of discipleship and a need for freedom. Everything else is solid. It's glorious. I need to be discipled more in what God's word says, and I need more freedom. Freedom from my yesterdays. That's it. It's simple. And it always bugs me to see God-gifted individuals back away from being faithful and fruitful, all because in God's path to go to another direction for their own personal comforts. It's just easier over here. I just feel better over here. Great. Because we love being comforted in our sins until we don't. Something starts to work inside of us, and it just don't feel right. I feel a little nasty inside. My heart just don't feel right. Things don't feel the same. I just don't. Yeah, because you weren't ever meant to be that way. It felt really good in the beginning. That's how Satan uses that to get you off, his, off God's journey. Towards his plan. Satan's plan, not God's plan. Be careful of the comforts that you're seeking. Believe that you have a purpose. Understand that God is in charge. Discover your gift and your direction Number four, determine your direction and be faithful. Determine your direction. This is what God said. This is what I'm going to do. And I, whatever it takes, I'm going to get there. I've got to get in the game. It doesn't happen. It doesn't just come to me. I've got to go after it. And in the midst of going after him, he just makes a way. Again, Proverbs 18, six, 16, rather, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. If I just utilize my gift and use it and give it away for others for the sake of others, all of a sudden God's promise is he's going to make a way for you. You don't have to fight for position. You don't have to fight for opportunity. You don't have to work for it. All you do is deploy your gift and allow God to make room because you're giving it away for the sake of others' lives. He's bringing people into salvation, into the kingdom, into his church. Whatever it is, the situation, he's bringing people in because you're willing to give it away from him. And now he can use you. And now when he knows he can use you and your heart is his, he makes a way for you. And purpose is there. I just fell right into purpose, all because I started giving life away and using what he has given me, my gifts, my talents, and my abilities for the sake of his kingdom and not my own. Real quick story. And I told you a little testimony last week when, when God used a dream with my grandmother in it to call me in to be a pastor. Pastoral obedience was what she was praying for in the dream. Well, right after that, not long after that, I had another dream that resounds in my heart continually to remind me of the path that I'm, I'm supposed to be on. And it, it, was, a, it was pitch black, and, and I could see a city way in the hill, way, over the, way, way in, the, in, the, in the distance. And I could tell there were hills and valleys in between because I could see hills and valleys eclipsing the city, the golden city. And all of a sudden, a presence like Jesus show up, I showed up, and I knew it was just the presence of God. And then all of a sudden, friends popped up. And then all of a sudden, a, a, a woman who I knew to be my wife popped up. And then kids popped up. And then all of a sudden, a golden step popped up in front of me. And the Lord impressed upon me, saying, hey, if you'll just follow me one step at a time to get there. I couldn't see it. It was pitch black. I couldn't see the path there. If you'll just follow me one step at a time, I want to bring you the friends that I have for you. There's a difference between the friends that we choose and the friends that God has for us. And then I'm going to bring you the wife that I have for you and the kids that I have for you. But you're going to have to follow me one step at a time. It would scare the hell out of you if you saw everything in front of you anyway. 
You'd be like, nope, I'm out. You can have that wife. I, I heard they come with problems anyway. But when it's the one that God has given you. No. When it's the path that God has put you on. I can't see the valleys. Can't see the hills. I know they're there because they're eclipsing the scene of where he's taking me. But he says, if I'll just follow him one step at a time, if I'll just be faithful in the little things, then he'll bring about the greater things. And all along the way, it's taxing, it's exhausting, it's stressful, can't sleep at night, but then I get to sleep at night. I wake up early to spend time with him. He navigates me through all the struggles. You can play that guitar, I like that. When we sang another, there's another in the fire, the lyrics were, I'll find the joy in every battle. There's another in the fire, and I'll find the joy in every battle. That was good. We declared that. We sang it out. We, we spoke it out with the breath of life that God has given us. I want to find joy in every adversity, every battle, every trial. In the prison test, Pastor Cass led us through Romans 5, 3 through 5, the very first passage that God ever spoke to me on. To rejoice in your, in your trials, in your sufferings, in your adversities. Rejoice in your trials, for they bring perseverance. Perseverance brings proven character, and proven character hope. So if I'm going through life right now and, and, and in the midst of adversity or not adversity, if I don't have hope, it may be because my character is not being proven. And to be proved means to be tested by the fires of the Lord. Tested by the 10 tests that shape us into the pathway that God has designed us for. And every agitation that we have is because we're outside of the de design, the path for our design. And if, and if I don't have hope and my, my character is far from proven, it's because I don't have perseverance. It's because I give up when times get tough. Well, that was too hard, so I'm, a, um, I'm out. Do you know why we're out? It's oftentimes a freedom issue. I need more freedom from this because there's some pain in my life that reminds me, this reminds me of an old scenario and I didn't like that, and I know I'm not going to like this, but God is using this to get that out of you. And then there's a discipleship issue that says, hey, God's word says twice in James and in Romans, rejoice in this. Rejoice in this. Oh, you need perseverance, or you better rejoice in this trial. Loss, rejoice in this trial. Don't rejoice that it's happening. Not the fact that it hurts and, and, and you have to go through this situation or this situation is taking place because remember, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't rejoice because you have to go through it, but rejoice because God is doing a refining work as you praise him in the midst of the trial. God is refining and proving something right here for the sake of perseverance to prove your character to look more like him so that you can have hope for everything that you're going to have to endure. You're not, not going to have to endure it. So you might as well, as soon as you can, own up to the fact that it's going to be difficult. But I got to go after it.
I'm going to read this. I'm going to let them have it. One of our great leaders in our country had a few failures. You may know who this is. At 22, he failed in business. At 23, defeated at legislature. 24, failed in business again. 26, his wife died. 27, had a nervous breakdown. 29, defeated for speaker. 31, defeated for elector. 34, defeated for Congress. 39, defeated for Congress again. Everybody ready to give up? She's out. <laughs> 46, defeated for Senate. 47, defeated for Vice President. 49, defeated for Senate again. 51, President of the United States. The only president to ever, president to ever lead us through a civil war and, and guide us through an Emancipation Proclamation. It's the very adversity that you're going through that is preparing you for the things that God has created you for. And the moment you give up, you start to discount and discredit yourself when God has already made you credible. He's already counted you for it. He's already called you to it, chosen you for it. And he's using this very battle that you're going through to prepare you for the greater things that's gonna take a little adversity, a little failure, a little, I gotta dust myself off and get back up at this thing because it's just not gonna be that easy. And in order to get through it and do it, I've gotta have a few failures under my belt. You're gonna be all right. Give you one more, I just can't stop. John Wesley, Sunday morning, here's his... His journal, John Wesley's journal, known for developing the, the Methodist church as we know it now. Sunday morning, May 5th, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Who's going to quit? <laughs> Sunday p.m., same day, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Anybody else done? Eli, you, you quit? May 12th, give it a week. Maybe everything's will change. Preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. <laughs> Same night, May 12th, preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. This guy's consistent. Week later, Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached at somebody else, at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called a special meeting, said I can't return. Same night, Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Can't even preach outside the church. <laughs> May 26th, Sunday a.m., preached in a meadow, chased out of a meadow as a bull was turned loose during the services. <laughs> How many people are still in it? Adversity. Without a little adversity and overcoming and rejoicing, Lord, I don't like it, but man, you're doing a great work inside of my heart. And if you can get me through what you've already brought me through, you can get me through this too. Perseverance starts to develop. And Lord, I don't know what I need to learn, but please teach me so I don't have to go through this thing again and again and again because there's something that I need to do to realign and align with your word because I'm not doing it right. So move in my life, Holy Spirit, so I don't have to continue this battle, proven character right there. Because when his ways are more important than what I want to do, my patterns, my ways of living, my character, then I'm willing to let go, I'll let all the, all the dross, everything just fall off. And he begins to impart a new way of doing life, a new way of approaching even old situations towards new situations. Then all of a sudden, I have hope again. And when I go into that next battle, I have hope because I have history. 
And God is in the history-making business, and he wants to make history with you. Here's what happened next. June 2nd, Sunday a.m., preached at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. That night, June 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. So thankful he didn't give up. This is exactly why we ask every person to just take the leap, take a chance and join us in the spiritual journey that we know that God has set for us in Thrive Community Church. And I, and I say it often, if you'll commit one year of your life to the spiritual journey that we have at Thrive, I promise you at the end of that year, this time next year, you'll look back and you'll say, never has my life been so good than it is right now. And guess what? It gets tough because God is doing a refining work in your heart and my heart. Can I pray for you? Father, I just thank you so much for a refining work in our souls. Thank you for what you established here today. Thank you for what you're establishing in our hearts. Thank you for the freedom. Thank you for the healing, Lord. I pray that you help every individual truly come to the understanding that they have a purpose in you and that Satan himself is trying to distort and distract and keep them from the purpose that you had laid out in front of them. Father, I pray that you help every person begin to discover their gifts that you've created them with and begin to give away their gifts, their talents, their abilities for your kingdom and your kingdom alone. Father, I pray that you help every person begin to determine their direction and truly have a steadfast spirit within them to stick to what you've created and called them to do. And I just ask this one question every week, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And Father, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen.